Accepting the challenge of space, we're carrying forward the same courage and indomitable spirit that made us a great nation. There's no doubt that America's space program will lead to a better America and a better life for all our people. I just had recently a visit to Goddard Space Center, and there I saw already some of the things that I've been talking about here in general. I saw specific examples that we'll soon be seeing, both in the field of great improvements in health science, but improvements in fabrics and materials developed in outer space that are going to mean great savings of time and money to some of our productive industries and increase their production at the same time that they do all those things. It was really a, a brief trip through Wonderland. Wow, that was 37 years ago, President Ronald Reagan, back on September the 7th, 1984, addressing a group of journalists that were assembled to hear the president talk about our future in space. And in that speech, he also talked about the dream of establishing a permanent space station. Well, guess what? It's up there, International Space Station. And lots and lots of good things happening there. And of course, I think he would marvel at some of the projects that we are involved in today. I will touch a little bit on that today. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather, science, earth science, astronomy, geology, just about any of the sciences that I can think of along with periodically interesting off-topic episodes that I typically will do on a Friday, but can come up literally at any time. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Envoy Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio, and this is episode number 174. It's a Science Wednesday, Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. Well, I put in an official request for an interview with NASA about the spacecraft that just recently landed on Mars, the Mars rover, and specifically, I uh, wanted to talk about the Ingenuity drone, which has been recently released, is now on the Martian surface. And pretty soon, that drone is going to be going through a battery of experiments and flights. And this is no small feat. So you're saying, what's the big deal about a drone on another planet? Well, here's the deal with the Martian atmosphere. And I know that we've covered this a little bit and talked a little bit about the Martian atmosphere. The fact that the Martian atmosphere is very, very thin, very thin. We'll talk about some of the specifics here in just a second. But because of that fact and because the air is much less dense on the surface of Mars, getting lift 
for a drone is different than a drone, uh, say the drones that we purchase here on the Earth's surface. So the propellers obviously have to spin a lot faster to produce the same kind of lift that it would get on Earth because uh, there's a lot more air that those propellers can use on Earth. And so I'm hoping uh, to secure that interview, in which case, if we do, I will have that one week from today. So mark that on your calendar, tell your friends, uh, and we'll talk about the Ingenuity drone chopper, some of the experiments that they will be doing with that, what they hope to accomplish, and what some of the challenges were in developing a drone that would actually fly on Mars because the Martian atmosphere is so thin. Wow. Okay, well, this brings me to another question, and I thought I would uh, expand on this and look at all of the planets that we have in our solar system. Nine planets. I include Pluto. We talked about this before. Uh, A lot of uh, people have decided that Pluto doesn't fit the criteria for a planet. I say it does, and so I am going to operate in that vein because I wanted to take all of the nine bodies that we know of here in our solar system and talk about pressure. And so that's why I have titled this episode, Feeling the Pressure. Now, obviously, here as we walk the Earth, we don't really necessarily feel pressure from the atmosphere per se. But the truth of the matter is, the atmosphere is pressing up against our bodies. Without that uh, atmospheric pressure, uh, certainly uh, the pressure in our bodies would suddenly exert out, and uh, uh, that, that certainly wouldn't be a good thing. So the design is the atmospheric pressure is there, and we have pressure inside our bodies that are pushing out, and it's equal, and so as a result, we really don't feel it. We don't feel it as pressure, but we can measure it. It is called the atmospheric pressure, the barometer reading, and it was discovered by Torricelli a long time ago, many centuries ago, that the atmospheric pressure actually changes as the weather changes, and it was all part of the discovery of meteorology, which began first really with the surface uh, pressure uh, in regards of trying to figure out what these systems are and of course we know high pressure at least uh, most of the time is good weather and low pressure as it comes in is inclement weather i won't call it bad weather because let's face it rain snow thunderstorms all that stuff that has a positive impact on our economy in the sense that it keeps our crops going it keeps us well fed Uh, etc. We need rain. And uh, so I'll call it inclement weather. Okay, let's talk about atmospheric pressure, but let's do something fun today. Let's visit every single planet in our solar system. And as best as we can determine using some of the instruments that have 
either visited many of these planets or flown by them, try to figure out what the surface pressure is on each of the planets. Now, I know you're saying already that we have two gas giants, and I'm fully aware of that, that Jupiter and Saturn are gas giants, and essentially you can fly through them without hitting anything solid. But assuming that we're going to go right to the center of each of those gas giants and measure the atmospheric pressure as if you had a home barometer with you. Uh, And uh, Uranus and Neptune are two planets that have a pseudo-surface. They're gas and ice giants. And it's a conglomerate because they're so far away from the sun. They're much colder And as a result uh, of that particular environment in which they exist, that they are gas and ice giants. In other words, the outer portion is a gas. And then when you start getting closer to the center of those planets, you start getting some ice. And uh, some of it may or may not be solid enough to actually land an aircraft. But we're going to assume that it is. And we're going to put one of our barometers at the surface of each of those planets, too. And we'll do a little comparison. So with that, let's tour the atmosphere. You ready? Here we go. We're first going to go to Mercury with our home barometer. Now, assume that our barometer, most barometers here go from about 28 inches to 31 or 31 and a half inches. Uh, that's the typical range here on the surface of the Earth. But for the sake of argument, let's take our barometer and recalibrate it so that it can read anywhere from zero to a whole lot higher because there are going to be some planets that we visit that have extreme pressure. But let's go to Mercury first. If we took our home barometer and went to Mercury, landed on the surface, what would the average barometric pressure read in inches of Mercury? And I'm using inches of Mercury only because it is so familiar. We talk about it on television, etc. The average here on the surface of the Earth at the, at sea level, the average, global average, is 29.92, almost 30 inches. So if you took that barometer and you went to the surface of Mercury, it would read 1.4 inches. In other words, it's a pretty thin atmosphere. Okay, let's uh, move along and let's go to Venus, our next stop on our way out of the solar system. Venus obviously has a very heavy carbon dioxide uh, atmosphere, and it is extremely dense. How dense is it? Well, Venus, the barometer on the surface, would read not 30 inches, not 60 inches, not 100 or 200 inches, but 2,754 inches. It's extremely dense, and it's extremely hot, mostly of carbon dioxide. And uh, essentially, if you put a block of lead at the bottom of or on the surface of Venus, it would melt. Uh, It is extremely dense, and uh, the instrument packets that we have sent to the surface of Venus have not lasted that long. 
Uh, they essentially have collapsed because of the extreme pressure and the heat. Now, they have lasted long enough to send back some valuable data, uh, but we know it is an extremely inhospitable atmosphere. There is absolutely no way, at least right now, that I can think of that man could ever land on the surface of Venus and survive. All right, we know that Earth has an average barometric pressure at sea level of 29.92 inches. That's almost 30 inches. And typically on your home barometer, 30 inches is right at 12 o'clock, right straight up. Because anything to the right of it is higher than average. Anything to the left of it is a little lower than average or a lot lower if you have a big storm coming in. All right, let's go to the surface of Mars. Mars has an interesting barometric pressure at the surface. If you sent a home barometer to the surface of Mars on any number of the rovers that are operating up there, well, the home barometer would read 0.2 inches. It's extremely thin, and thus the challenge for a... um, Uh, a drone that has to produce lift from that atmosphere, which is so, 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 so thin. All right, next uh, stop from Mars is Jupiter. Jupiter is a gas giant. If you took the barometer and brought it to the center of Jupiter, um, remember, it's a gas giant. You'd essentially be able to fly right through it. But at at the very center, the pressure would read 177 inches. Yeah, that's a lot less than Venus, believe it or not. Uh, It's uh, much less dense in that regard, but its mass, uh, the total mass, is, is much higher because it's so much bigger. Saturn has a, an internal pressure right at the center because, again, it's a gas giant of 41 inches. So it's probably the closest one in regard to our atmospheric pressure, but obviously it's inhospitable. There's no surface because it's a gas giant, uh, but uh, the density is very, very close at the center of Saturn to what it is here on Earth. All right, let's go to the two uh, outer planets beyond the two gas giants, Uranus and Neptune in that order. And this is where it gets really interesting because Uranus and Neptune, the barometric pressure at the pseudo-surface, which is where the atmosphere, the gas elements would uh, convert or suddenly change to kind of an icy mix, assuming that you could land on that icy mix on the surface of Uranus, the surface pressure, the barometric reading on your home barometer would read 30,000 inches. 30,000 inches. That is just crushing, crushing pressure. And Neptune, it's the same, 30,000 inches. And that's an estimate. No instrument package has ever been released uh, into the uh, atmosphere of Uranus or Neptune, but certainly we've had a number of flybys, and by using all of the data that the, the particular satellites were able to collect, 
they were able to discern that the pressure is extremely high. Also, one thing, because we were able to look at the clouds in motion and as they swirled about Uranus and Neptune using the satellites and using uh, time-lapse imagery, Neptune was determined to have the planet's strongest winds, the solar system's strongest surface winds. The surface winds on Neptune are close to 1,200 miles per hour. And uh, that's stronger than any F5 tornado that we have ever seen. And, and of course, you know the damage that an F5 tornado can do uh, in a very small area as it uh, scratches its way across the surface in severe weather season. Strongest winds. And uh, Uranus, by the way, also has some strong winds. But the second uh, strongest winds are actually were actually seen by the Cassini spacecraft and satellite that uh, flew past Saturn. And Saturn's strongest winds were very close to that of Neptune, 1,118 miles per hour, just a tick under Neptune. All right, one more planet to go. I call it a planet. It's Pluto. If you took your home barometer and you set it on Pluto, what would the barometric pressure read? I think you know where this is going because it is kind of a small, rocky planet in a very eccentric orbit. And so there's not much atmosphere. In fact, it is, or it has the weakest atmosphere out of all of them. So if you took your home barometer, set it on Pluto, it would read 0.0006 inches. There's just not a lot going on in a Pluto atmosphere. In fact, there hardly is one. It almost mimics uh, that of the moon. So there you have it. And if you went in order from lowest to highest pressure, let's do that instead of going from the sun out to the outermost planets. The lowest pressure, barometric pressure is Pluto. Next would be Mars. After that, third is Mercury. After Mercury is Earth. Earth after Earth is Saturn. After Saturn is Jupiter. And then after that, a tie for the uh, very highest pressure. And that had to be derived using the instruments on the flyby from Cassini. 30,000 inches, both Uranus and Neptune. Well, there you have it, a jaunt across the solar system with our home barometer, of course, with some added features so that we could measure it. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Help me to spread the word. Get the word out. Your social media page, Facebook, Twitter, uh, email, or just across the fence to your neighbor. Let them all know that weather jazz is something that you listen to. And my special thanks to those of you who continue to partner to support weather jazz and the features. And they include from Ohio, Dale Osborne, Will and Tanya Krause, Christine Barnes, Rose Moore. In Vermont, Victoria Singer. In Florida, Bill Martin. In Tennessee, Andrea Rich. Would certainly love to add your name to that list. And you can go to weatherjazz.com. 
go on the show notes of any episode and you will find the links at the bottom of every uh, episode and you can partner at any one of three levels the lowest is 99 cents a month well if you have a question or a topic suggestion i welcome your input you can reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com and or via voicemail drop me a voicemail let me know what that question or topic suggestion or perhaps you just want to say hello and let us know how you found weather jazz that's great too i might even include your audio in a future program so give me a call and leave me a message the weather jazz podcast audience connect line is 234-525-5888 234-525-5888 on friday Part two of our series on little free libraries. And I will tell you this much. The angle that we have for this Friday will be from a gentleman, an author, who likes to take his books, find little free libraries, and donate his books to them. And we'll find out how he found out about Little Free Libraries, what his books are about, and a whole lot more. That will be on the Open Line Friday edition of Weather Jazz. We'll see you then. Weather and science across the globe. The Weather Jazz Podcast.